Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Monster 8, the pilot podcast. It's the podcast that's hosted by me, Brandon. It is Monday in the Music Room, back once again after the week off of the Mondays in the Music Room. Oh, baby, welcome back. We've got a great show lined up for you. We've got two more episodes, the beginning of Season 5 of The Lost Adventure, as we continue down the road. Uh, we've got, I'm going to talk about a band I really love. Also, Last week, if you didn't see, I passed three years of sobriety, so we're going to talk about how that affects Brandon and all the other shit that's going on in the deranged mind of this individual you see on the video form on Spotify, because that's right, you like, share, subscribe, support, anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster 8 the Pilot, the aforementioned video on Spotify, you can see Brandon in his awesome bandana and his very, very thinning hair, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> I've got energetic lighting going on tonight for the music room. It doesn't seem very energetic, does it? Does it? What about... No, it's, I'm sorry. It's Dreamland. I'm a dum-dum. This is energetic. If you're watching the video, you're seeing this absolute... Uh, this is the show now, as Brandon is playing with this phone. It's awesome. I've got so much stuff on my phone. Uh <laughs> Man, what's been going on, guys? It's been a couple weeks, I guess, for uh, the regular show. Um, we've had sports talk in the past couple weeks. Make sure you go back and check out sports talk where I talk about sports. Unless you hate sports, then you don't have to listen to it. I mean, you know, liking sports is not does not make you cool. Also, disliking sports does not make you cool. You know, saying sports ball doesn't make you like some like, oh, yours is so fucking, yours is so cool. Oh, my God. And just like if your whole personality is sports, that also, also makes you pretty lame. I remember that one dude from the IT crowd. Uh, not O'Dowd, the other one. They went to like um, the Camp No, uh, Barcelona Stadium, and he just like acted like a fucking douche the whole time about how he doesn't like any of it. I don't know who that is. It's like, ah uh, ha 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 ha. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. And same thing. Like everybody who literally just like thinks you know this, the backup right guard for Ohio State, and is like shocked that you don't know. It's like, dude, you're fucking lame for knowing that. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Hashtag, what the hell? What the hell is this, Brandon? Shut up and get started with the show, right? <laughs> oh, baby, I gotta get back into it. I didn't write anything down because Brandon doesn't write shit down anymore. It's bad. It's bad, dude. I had so much, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe that could be interesting to talk about in the podcast. I've got a little bit more downtime at work now, so I should be able to come up with more ideas and see stuff. I'm like, hey, I should talk about that. And then write it down or just kind of brainstorm maybe some cool things. I don't know. I have some ideas about what this podcast can do or what it can be or, you know, where it can go. I've had some weird ideas for maybe getting some different guests on. Some people you may know, not just in the life of Brandon, but outside the life of Brandon. Like some people who are like minor celebrity even. I'm like, I wonder if they'll do the podcast. And that's what the show's going to be is Brandon probably getting rejected by people. Like C-list celebrities. <laughs> oh, if you have not checked out, I've been on LSU Transfer Room a couple times in the past few weeks. It's a great show if you're a Liverpool fan. Uh, great channel, great community to be a part of. So make sure you subscribe to them. YouTube or basically anywhere, man. Follow them on the X. Or uh, I don't know if we have threads or not. I don't know, dude. What the hell is threads? I don't even understand what it is yet. It's just Twitter. But no, I'm not Twitter. I guess it's it's Twitter before it became X, so it sucks. <laughs> Except it's got a lot more suggested posts, which uh, I fucking hate. Ugh. Yeah. Whatever, man. How's the show start again? I should never take weeks off. I should never take weeks off because I forget how the rhythm works, and I always forget how the show starts and how I get into my first topic. I don't know, man. I don't know, bro. I watched season one of The Wire. That's called a segue. Uh, finally got around to it, and it is incredible, man. Holy shit. I always knew that show was made for me. And, like, I knew I was going to love it. And, like, that was, like, I had the stupid thing. I think if you ever go back and listen to the 2Q Kids episode with me and Jake, I talked about that. Like, you know, there's certain shows like The Sopranos, The Wire, Breaking Bad. Like, quite a few shows like that that I've never watched ever because i already know i love them so i've never watched them and that's stupid but man i found i'm like you know what it's first day of vacation i'm like man let's throw in the wire while i clean stuff around this house so i did and it was awesome 
and it was so good. I crushed it over like a day. I'm like, man, that it's just phenomenal. Like the realism. There's like an episode where they uh, investigate a crime scene, like a shooting, like a scene where a shooting happened, and like it meticulously going over like detective work. It probably obviously is like sped up for what TV would work, but it seems like realistic about how they figure things out. It was cool. Do I have something on my teeth? Who cares? Whatever, man. Season one of The Wire. Would recommend. I gotta get into season two now. It's gonna be dope. Um, I gotta get back to the leftovers. That just reminded me, like, right now. I have, I'm so far behind on the leftovers. I was supposed to be doing that, like, weeks, uh, like, months ago. Maybe even, like, a year ago now. <laughs> oh, shit. I had a great vacation, though. I really enjoyed it, you know? Except for the parking catastrophe, which I'll, I guess uh, if you don't listen to sports talk, you don't know anything about. Basically, I left my house an hour before the game uh, Saturday, the Columbus Crew game, and I didn't get into the stadium until like 20 minutes after the game started because parking was such a fucking catastrophe down there. They had three things going on at once. Well, they were letting one thing out at the same time everybody was showing up for two other things. So it was just a, it was just a disaster. This is a disaster zone. Like whoever had to like, did the planning event planning for Columbus, uh, fire them, fire them. And you know what? Take away their house too. take away all their belongings, tar and feather them and kick them out of town. That's right. Brandon's going back in time. We're going to do that. We're going to, you know, embarrass this person, tar and feather, run them out of town, make them a pariah, make them live out in the Hills with hair lips and whatever else and get green skin or whatever the hell else happens out there in the wilderness. I don't know, man. What the hell are we talk about? <laughs> but that was a good vacation. Watched The Wire, took time off, visited friends. Casey came over, we jammed, went and visited Jake. My mother came up. Um, me and Clayton did not get together for the, uh, the uh, whatchamacallit, the um, podcast the podcast that i'm literally doing right now i literally forgot my own podcast in the middle of doing my own podcast that's where brandon's mind at we didn't get around to that i'll see if i can get that rescheduled sometimes we'll figure it out hung out with dave and haley and a few of haley's friends it was a good time watched superstar with molly shannon dave and haley liked it i it's fine it's not like a bad movie it's not as funny as they were making it out to be. And a lot of it was concept over execution. I was like, oh, that could be kind of funny. But there's like, I'm just waiting for the joke, and no joke happens. And I was like, yeah, it's... I mean, Molly Shannon, like, making out with, uh, like, the like, uh, stop sign and the tree is fucking hilarious. And there's, like, little parts that are hysterical. Like the little guitar thing they play every time Harlan Williams shows up. <laughs> but a lot of it was just still, like, kind of just, like, mostly just, oh, this is an idea that's something that could be funny. Yeah, it was just like it wasn't fleshed out enough for it to be hysterical. But, hey, Dave and Haley loved it, so they can love whatever they want, man. Love whatever they want. Decent movie night, I'd say. But we had to sit in assigned seats, which is ridiculous. If I wanted the assigned seats to go to the real movie theater, man. What are we talking about, dude? Whatever. <laughs> man, I am so out of the flow tonight. Sorry, I apologize. I am so out of the flow. Um... We'll get into this, man. We'll get into this. Uh, where should we start off at, man? Let's start off with... I was coming back from Jake's. Um, a line from this band popped in my head. And I've been listening to him like hardcore all week long. Been a week now, I guess. Because I guess it was sun last Sunday. And this is Sunday. So I guess it's about the past week. Literally the past seven days, I've been listening to a lot of the Menzingers out of Philadelphia. If you've never listened to the Menzingers, do yourself a favor. Go find them. Great punk-ass music. Uh, great songwriters. Great, just like a big sound. Um, anthemic. And they're just like, they've, they're like legends now within the scene, bro. I mean, they're like five or six records deep. I think they're about release number six. I think they're five deep. I got like Chamberlain Awaits, um, Rental World. Uh, oh, shoot. What's the one with the chick on the front? I can't remember. After the Party from Exile. Then there's In Exile, which is just a demo or kind of like a remix thing of From Exile. So, yeah, basically like six records, man. And all five are really strong. And uh, I listened to a lot of After the Party this week because that's like weirdly that record is six years old that doesn't make any sense how that record's six years old it really felt like it just came out like two or three years ago that's what covid's done man covid has completely wiped like three years off your mind and like every time you think oh that was just like two years ago you're like nope it was like six you're like what the hell 
No, but listen to a lot of the Menzingers, man. Uh, Greg, the uh, singer, song, like the, the lead singer, guitar player, writes some great shit. Great lefty songwriter. I wish I could write a lot of songs like him, man. He really captures my lifestyle. <laughs> That's what I've always loved about the Menzingers. They're only a couple years older than me, so like a lot of things they would like release. I'm like, shit, that stuff I'm kind of going through right now. Like after the party's all about, you know, well, like the opening song, telling lies. What are we gonna do when our twenties are over? <laughs> what are we gonna do now that our twenties are over? Everyone keeps asking me over and over, man. Yeah, you get to that age where people are like, "Are you ever going to get it together?" And the answer is probably not, man. I'm still gonna make fart jokes till well into my sixties, because <laughs> that's life, man. That's Brandon. Brandon's never gonna sell out, no matter how old he gets, how old and pathetic he gets. He's never selling out. Fart jokes for life, bro. <laughs> Nah, yeah, man, I was yeah, and uh, I never really listened to Chamberlain Wait uh, Chamberlain Waits, which is uh, the first record, and I've been listening to that a little bit more. Man, that's a really great like first record for a band. They come out swinging like that. Mmm, mmm. First song. Mmm, mmm. Good shit, man. Hold on. I wish this mouse worked on uh this computer a little bit more. I've been thinking about buying another computer. Because I just don't give a fuck about money. <laughs> Who's your partner is the first song off that. I love that track, man. On the Impossible Pass. That's the record I couldn't remember. Yeah, with the chick on the front. Um, but man, like all the records. Yep, my, my, this mouse is such dog shit. Like it's just not working at all. And it's a fucking touch one. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, that's right. You're hearing me get really angry right now. I'm about to like just start swinging at this computer. I fucking hate it. Yep, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. Yep, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> this is a joke. You're... There we go, right? Just punch it harder. Punch the computer harder, Brandon. That's what you should do as a grown adult, is to punch the computer harder. God, I hate this freaking mouse. Oh my God. This computer was a bad buy. Bad buy, Brandon. Whew. Oof. Brandon's a 32, almost 33. Brandon's going to be 33 later this month, and he just literally punched his computer twice. <laughs> Dude. Oh, but I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it, man. Why? Why? Now it's working. Oh, uh, dude. Hopefully I don't have to search anything else because I'm fucked now. I'm totally fucked if I need to search something because this mouse is like, uh, uh, nope, 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 nope. I have, like, mm, mm. oh, man, Brandon's getting irritated. Brandon's getting irritated. He's about to flip the frick out, bro. I can't afford another computer right now, but it really makes me want to get one and then take this one and just take a ball bat to it. Just ball bat the shit out of it. Just beat it down. Just like that scene from Office Space with the copier. Just take it out, you know, you know, play uh, still by uh, Ghetto Boys, and just destroy that fucking thing, man. Destroy this fucking computer. God. Oh, man. You know, my, my favorite part of that whole scene in Office Space, Office Space is one of the top probably 15 movies ever made, in my opinion. That movie is perfection of, like, how dull, you know, work can be and how soul-sucking it is, and then also being incredibly hysterical. And you identify with all these characters because you know a lot of these people, like the O guy. Oh, like super, like the guy who's all about sex all the time, or the guy who's always talking about quitting his job and just never can. <laughs> and then the weird little fucking dude. Um, no, my favorite part of that whole copier destroying scene is when Michael Bolton gets on his knees and just starts punching the copier with his bare hands. Like, because you imagine that, like, punching like all that plastic is just gotta fucking hurt. And, like, is this gonna destroy your hands and knuckles? Because, like, punch anything plastic, you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Like, something like that, like, yeah. But that's how much he hated that thing, is that he was willing to destroy his hands punching it. And um, I'm ready to do this with this fucking computer right now. I'm going to probably punch it way harder than I just punched it. It's ridiculous. Like, hopefully I can, like, tonight, like, once I get done, I may take me, like, 20 minutes of me getting the uh, episodes to stop because I can't move the fucking mouse. This is ridiculous. I am getting so angry. <sighs> Anyway, listens to the listen to the Menzingers. 
Listen to the Menzingers. Uh, this they deserved a way better like talk about them than I just gave them. But I'm so frustrated. I feel like I have to kind of move on and try to get into a different thing. Um, oh man, but the Menzingers are great. They are big, heavy, especially that uh, after the party. I don't know what's my favorite one of the Impossible Pass or after the party. I think after the party's got some bangers on it, man. Like of the Impossible Pass is like on the Impossible Pass is um. Probably the better record, like I think the, I think it's the better record, better music. But man, After Party's got bangers on there, like Wild Years, um, obviously After the Party, Telling Lies, Lookers, Charlie's Army, like oh man, there's some great rec- there's great tracks on there. They're in uh, Cincinnati on the 16th of November. After I see the Gaslight Anthem, that's right, I get to see the Gaslight Anthem later this month. On oh, my birthday! I've never seen the Gaslight Anthem. Of all the bands out there, the the number one, outside of like the Stones, but at the same time, I'm not going to pay $500 to go see the Stones. Um, and also, I'd rather have seen the Stones in the 70s, like when they're at the heyday, when they're like, hey, you see this whole crowd? I'm going to fuck it. Um, <laughs> um, not like uh, the Stones are probably like number one of the bands I've never seen that I want to see, but at the same like I'm not gonna pay five hundred dollars to go watch them and sit in the nosebleeds. Uh, so like Gaslight Anthem's like number one because I know I can go see them, and I'm going to I get to see them later this month. I'm so excited! I've tried for fucking fifteen years to watch the Gaslight Anthem, and I've never got to, and now I get to later this month, and I'm so excited for it. Like I'm beyond happy about it. Um, I was going to go see Brian Fallon solo stuff a couple years ago in uh, April of 2020 in Toronto. I'm not sure if you guys remember that, you know, this weird thing happened in 2020 in April, I guess actually late March that kind of ruined that it happened right before St. Patty's day. I don't know. Kept us all inside for a little bit. It was weird. People got real weird, man. Got real weird. Like Brandon, Brandon started thinking bandanas were his thing, but you know what? They are. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I get to see Gaslight Anthem later this month. But then after Gaslight Anthem, the Menzingers would be way up there. I've never seen the Menzingers live. Like, I remember they played the V Club or whatever the hell it's called, the Loud. or the, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, old Karaoke Chris told me, and I'm like, that's a stupid name. But I think they went back to the V Club. Um, I remember they played there. I should have went and saw them then, but I didn't. But I've never seen them live. But they're going to be in Cincinnati on like the 16th or something like that of November. But then they play in Columbus on Black Friday. And I work fucking retail. So that's going to be like a 12-hour day for me. Like, oh, that'd be a tough show to get to and then sit through. Because guess what? The next day, I think I have to work 12 hours again. At least that's how it's always set up. Stupid, but whatever. It's High State Michigan game. We're not going to be fucking busy. It's so stupid. But whatever. It's not time for that. But yeah, I get to see the Gaslight Anthem later this month. I'm excited for that. I listened to a couple songs off their new record, or the new record that'll be coming out soon. Ah, they're fine. I mean, they got Bruce on there. Um, I didn't really care for the last Gaslight Anthem record all that much. Uh, Get Hurt, like 2015, maybe 2014. Um, God, almost 10 years? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be right. I think uh, Brian's stuff was like 2016, 18, 20, and 21. I think were the years that he released all the solo records. Yeah, man, that's we got ten years since Get Hurt. Oof. But not the. Yeah, I guess they do those first few records: Sink or Swim, uh, Fifty Nine Sound, um, almost oh, almost said Diamond Street Church, uh, Diamond Street Church Choir, or whatever that one song is. That's American Slang. Their third record. Those three records are fucking phenomenal. And there's a lot of handwritten that's really good. There's a few songs where they're kind of meh, like kind of meandering a little bit, but there's a lot of really good tracks on there. I actually was listening to it a couple weeks ago. I was like, man, I kind of forgot there's some really good shit on here. Um, No, so I'm really excited to watch them on my birthday. What a sign from God. Maybe Bruce will be there because, you know, Bruce is in Cincinnati or in Columbus the night before as well on his tour. And then he's also, you know, I mean, he's got a new song. I mean, he did a duet here with Gaslight Anthem on the record preview, on the com- coming record. He's done a song with them. Maybe, you know, maybe he sticks around an extra day. I'm not sure when his next show is or where his next show is. If it's a few days, maybe he sticks in Columbus for an extra day and comes to the Gaslight Anthem show and Brandon pees his pants. 
That's what that's what that's what's gonna happen. Brandon will legit pee his fucking pants if Bruce shows up at that show. Or if he just sticks around at Columbus and I just randomly walk in like and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go visit this place where Brandon works and he's gonna hang out with me all day. And I'm gonna be like, get the fuck out of here and I cry and pee my pants. If I met Bruce, I'd pee my pants. It's legit. I'd just pee. I'd like, you know what? Two seconds, Bruce. And I'd pee my pants. And I'll be like, hey, we're just dealing with it. You know what I've done. I know what I've done. I've accepted it, so I need you to accept it, Bruce. And then we'd hug. And then he would uh, feel very weird because I just hugged him while covered in my own piss. Yeah, that's what the show is now. Brandon talking about hugging Bruce Springsteen covered in piss. (laughs) That's what the show is now. That's where we are in the life of Brandon. (laughs) And you know what got Brandon to this point? Sobriety. (laughs) Oh, man. No, it probably kept Brandon from... uh, Probably sobriety kept Brandon, I guess, has given Brandon the opportunity to hug Bruce Springsteen covered in pee. Nah, because like I said, if I didn't get sober, I'd be dead. I'd be dead now. I'd probably be dead or I'd be in jail or prison or whatever. I wouldn't be in a spot to be able to do anything worthwhile. So like that's like, yeah, that was like the whole thing last week. I took like the weekend off to celebrate three years of sobriety, which is just so mind boggling. Like I said, just a few minutes ago about how like COVID's really warped time and things just don't feel real half the time, time wise. That's kind of what sobriety is. I'm like, it's just, it's so mind boggling. That's been three years since I, you know, quit drinking. Um, I am so thankful for all the friends that have stuck around. Um, those who support me, those who have supported and those who continue to support. I think everybody's they, there's so much like one, like, you know, I've learned over the years is how much like quiet support and how many people are out there who are rooting for you that you will never know about, you know, cause they're like me and like, they're very awkward and don't know how to tell you that, you know, that they keep up with all your, like, you know, they keep up with your updates or they keep up and they're really rooting for you to like succeed or get better and, uh, find a, you know, a happier path in life. There's a lot of people like me who just don't know how to um, properly emote that to somebody. And like, that's one thing I've learned. Like there's so many people that I didn't ever realize, or I didn't realize we had like a decent connection who have like reached out to me over time and say, you know, I'm rooting for you or just stuff like that, man. Like, you know, because like, obviously when I got towards my end, I felt isolated and alone on everything because I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody. I didn't feel like anybody wanted to understand or I didn't feel like my problems were worth anybody needing to understand because I always felt like my problems were so insignificant and so stupid because I couldn't deal with my own shit and it made me feel insignificant and worthless and you know it became very difficult to try to express that to anybody because I you know it's like why like you've got real problems I've got bullshit problems and I eventually let those bullshit problems become actual real problems. Like, you know, I'm fucking drinking myself to sleep. I'm driving around drunk all the time. I'm, you know, have no idea how to function in society. I'm fucking an emotional mess every other day. And it's like, you know, I drive out to St. Louis with no idea if I'm coming back or not. You know, get into that state of mind. That's fucking rough stuff. You know, and I didn't feel like I had anybody to really talk to about it. Or I didn't feel like anybody really understood. Or if I did try to talk, I always felt like, um, because there were some people I talked to that, it may, this may sound mean. I don't mean it to be mean. I think I, I might be able to elaborate here. They kind of make it about themselves. And I, 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 like I said, I'm not trying to make this seem mean because there's that, that's a way for like some people to try to help you cope with things to try to make you feel like uh, you're not alone in something. So they make it like, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is how I felt today. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this one time I did feel that way. Um, you know, oh, I felt that way too at this one point. And you're like, okay, it's like, well, okay, it's about you, not about me now. And with me, who was very bad at expressing himself and ever, like, dealing with anything that was, like, you know, actually, I don't know, in a way, like, emotional healing, <laughs> you know, because it's got to damage yourself. Sometimes you got to open the wound to let it heal a little bit. And I did not know how to do that for, you know, 29 years of my life, basically. Um it became real. That, that was not what I needed. And so it became me kind of still closing myself off and pushing those people who wanted to help away. And 
I had to, you know, I had to drive fucking seven hours away to clear my head. I had to drive all the way to fucking St. Louis in the middle of a pandemic and say, what the fuck am I doing with my life? As I stare out over the Mississippi River, wondering if I'm high enough to kill myself, you know? And then just realize, like, you got to try something. You got to do something, Brandon. You got to figure something out here. You can't just wallow in it. You you can't ruin other people's lives because you can't deal with your own shit. So it became like, think of something, man. Or just throw yourself in the nut house. It was like, that was my, I was like, you know, drink yourself to death. Kill yourself. You know, throw yourself in the nut house. Do something. Because no, something's not working here, man. And one thing I was like, remember, it's like, you know, I remember I quit drinking for like four months in my mid-twenties because I can't remember why. I think I wanted to be straight edge, bro. <laughs> but no, I was like, okay, so let me quit drinking for a while. Let me see if I can quit drinking. Let me see if I can get my mind straight. And it's like, okay, let's see if I can go three months without drinking. Because at that point, I didn't think I could because I was drinking so much. And it was like the only way I could kind of function normally because that was the only way to numb my fucking mind from like wanting to cry all the fucking time or just completely lose itself every single fucking day. Um, so I'm like, how am I going to go three months? And then it would just kind of break it down. It's like, just go one day. Just go two days. And it's like, you know, if we can get to three months, I bet you can, that's when like, there's like this little hope spot in my brain. It's like, if you can go three months, you can go six. If you go six, you can go 12. Let's ultimately see if we can get a year of not drinking. So it was like, okay, but you know, but really grasp on the idea three. So I did. And I grasped onto the idea three. I went three. I'm like, man, I think I can do six. Um, cause at three months I was still a fucking mess, like all the time. <laughs> and then, uh, so I get the six, I'm like, dude, cause at that point I'm starting to feel much better about myself mentally. And I'm not saying, you know, alcohol, like stop like quitting drinking and all that stuff is like the, you know, the end all be all the, the cure all for any mental health issue. It's, you know, it's not, it's what helped me. I'm never going to tell you this is the only way, this is the only thing that fucking works. You got to quit drinking. No. Ultimately, like, it was a layer. It was the therapy that helped a lot. It was me accepting myself a little bit more and being able to express myself to people that I felt like I'd get uh, let down over the years. Were people that I've clo closed myself off on forever. Yeah, that's ultimately all those things kind of started coming together, and I was able to start talking to people more about real things and not just, like, kind of like, oh, no, I'm fine, and just, like, throw my fucking hand up, throw the stop sign up. So I finally got these things kind of working together. And like I said, it took me like five, six months and I started feeling so much better. I started like kind of feeling not so much normal, but feeling like a person again. I don't know if that makes any fucking sense and I don't care if it doesn't. And then like I said, we got the six months. I'm like, dude, I'm going to make this year. No problem. I'm going to make it through the year if it kills me. Um, and I got to one year. I'm like, at that point, by the time I hit the year, that was like just such a, like a, euphoric moment of holy shit i did this you know what i mean i didn't go through a program i didn't have like help in that way you know i didn't have like a sponsor or someone calling to check in on me like in that way like hey how you feel about drinking today it was more just like you know finally my friends and my family who i still let in on stuff like this or not so much that i let in that i had around for this were extremely supportive like jake and marta were incredible for me like i will you know Never hear a fucking bad word said against them, except by me, because uh, <laughs> they were unbelievably because they made my non-drinking normal. Like it was just OK, like, you know, no problem. It was, you know, I'm not drinking, you know, because there's still some people get like, oh, shit, you're not drinking. And they get a little weird because what these people don't hang out with a lot. Like when I first started, there's still some people who were kind of like didn't know how to navigate it. Like Jake and Marta just took it to like fish out, of like fish the water. Just like as soon as I'm not drinking, I'm like, okay, good, cool. And like they like it was just the, the most normal thing in the world that I didn't drink. <laughs> like, um Yeah, so it took me forever and I got to the year and like a euphoric feeling of I did this. I you know I was able to put my mind to something, especially with my mind being as scatterbrained as it is. Um, and starting stuff and quitting stuff. That's why I have 10,000 fucking instruments in this house because I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn how to play piano. Oh, I'm going to learn how to play this mandolin. I'm going to learn how to play this ukulele. Oh, let me get this computer program that's really intricate and takes a lot to learn, and I'm just going to do the bare minimum to learn how to do it. 
<laughs> Let me learn how to podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've kept the podcast going as well. So it was like my brain latched onto it enough that I did it for a year. I'm like, holy shit, I can do stuff. I can do things if I actually really want to. I, I guess if I really need to. That was that's also the key. I needed it. I needed to be sober. I needed that change in my life. Because like I like I said when I started talking about this, if I didn't, I'd be dead now. I'd be dead, or I'd be in prison, or I'd be in the nut house. Like, you know, I'd be in prison because I'd have killed somebody. Like that simple. It's hard when you get lost, man. It's really hard when you get lost. And like, I know some people out there have been struggling with that, and everybody struggles with that. I'm not the only person who's ever fucking struggled with anything. I'm never going to act like I am. Like. Or at least I hope I never come off as that. Like, oh, my problems. Like, man, I overcame my problems. Now, you know, nobody should have problems. No, dude, people have real fucking problems out there. And some people want to belittle their problems all the time. You know? And it's it's fucking sick. Empathize. Empathize. Empathize, man. You know, understand that everybody's got a different journey of where they've gotten to. Why they're in that exact point. If you see some fucking dude on the side of the road who is jacked up and you know he's been fucked up like on... You know, all different types of drugs. Guess what? There's a whole bunch of things that led him to that moment, and none of them are very pleasant. You know, people have, like, some people, yeah, they may choose some bad shit in their life and, you know, earn it where they get to. But ultimately, there's a certain point. That kid was a child with fucking dreams. He had dreams. He wanted to be something much better than he is. But, you know, life didn't let it happen for him. And he didn't have, like, the support system that luckily I had to get myself better. And I try to see that every single time I see people that are, how to put this, like just kind of off, if you know what I mean. Like they're just kind of a little bit off in their, where they're at in life. And you just hope they can get better, you know. I don't know them. I don't know where they came from. I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit there and belittle somebody. We're all fucking humans, dude. Where are we going with this, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> Scatterbrain, man. But the sobriety part, man, like making it two years is pretty cool. But man, like this whole idea, like three years is just insane. And I barely think about it outside of like when I just randomly talk about it on here. Like I rarely think about sobriety because it became so ingrained of who I kind of am. I used to say, you know, early days, maybe the podcast or even like, like, you know, Probably right around the year. I'm like, yeah, I'll probably like maybe I'll drink at some point in life. Um, again, you know, maybe I'll have one. And at this point, I don't think about it enough to like know the answer to if I ever will. Because I don't care. I don't care if I ever drink again. Don't need to. I mean, obviously, there's times when you know the stress levels goes up, and I'm like, man, I could really use a nice scotch right now. Give me some scotch on the rocks, buddy. But no, I don't think about that. Like, have like one or two episodes like that a year. It used to be every fucking day. Like, just staring at bottles of liquor. Like, I could drink that right now if I really wanted to. But having the self-control to not. That's what I've also learned in the last three years. I have fucking self-control. I don't have to do something if I don't want to. You know, there's nothing in my brain that's going to overpower my actual will. You know? And it's cool. It's cool to have learned that about yourself. It's cool to, like, believe in yourself in a moment. What's moving in here? Sounds like something's moving. It's probably a ghost in here. But yeah, to, to actually, like, believe in yourself and come out on the other end on top. Like, fuck yeah, man. I hope you all get that feeling from time to time. Because it's euphoric. And it is so confidence building. And it ta makes you want to wear bandanas. And have mustaches. Unless you're a chick. And at the same time, if you're a chick and grow a mustache, fucking rock that shit, girl. I ain't judging you. If you can rock bandanas, hell yeah. What's your number? Hell yeah. <laughs> There's Brandon right there for you. Talk, you know, try to be nice and profound there for a little bit. And then just undercut the whole fucking thing with a joke. Oh, man. But no, I have to thank everybody still. Everybody, um, young and old, friends and new. I think like one of the things I still have issues with is I still have um, 
I'm still awkward. I'm still an awkward fucking dude. I'm still very awkward. You know, I still have friends I don't talk to because I mostly knew them because when I drank. And, like, I know, like, some of them would not give a shit one bit that I don't drink anymore. But I still have, like, this weird, like, thing about how will they react to me. Like, and it's weird. It's like, you know, there's, like, people that I don't know that well much easier to be around because I guess it's kind of I don't care as much about their opinion. I don't mean that to be mean. That I'm willing to talk to about anything since I've gotten sober. But there's, like, some people that I was really close with that I have never talked to since I've gotten sober. Because I guess I'm so worried about them rejecting me that I just have kind of oddly rejected them by never trying to bring them back into my life like a fucking idiot. Because there's uh, there's quite a few people that are on the list of I need to reconnect or I need to try to reconnect with. And maybe that will be the goal for the next few months. As we, you know, start heading into the close of 2023 already. It's fucking Labor Day weekend, guys. No, but as I said, if you've been around for the sobriety stuff, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh it's been a ride, man. It's been a wild, wonderful whites of West Virginia ride. Psych, because there was definitely not sobriety in that documentary. <laughs> but it's been a wild ride, and it's been a fun ride. Um, we got the podcast out of it, which I hope have given some people some joy every once in a while. Um I've you know, it's it's yeah, it's just it's hard to put into exact words the thanks I can give you outside of just saying thank you. Um I will always appreciate it. From the bottom of my heart, I will always appreciate it. <laughs> oh I don't hate myself as much anymore. Except when I say stupid shit on this podcast. That's when I really hate myself. <laughs> I've grown to accept that I am a weird kid. And it's cool. Being weird's the best part of being in life, man. Like, why would you want to be normal? It's stupid. It's lame. It's boring. Be weird. Who gives a shit? Have a great time out there. Do whatever you want. Right? I don't know. I was going. I had. I thought I had a joke and I lost it because that's what Brandon does. I lose it. I lose it. I'm losing it every single day of my life. Oh, but you know what? Let's get into the lost rewatch. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's enjoy your Labor Day weekend wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Hopefully at a barbecue. Hopefully with the man or the woman of your dreams on your arm. Or if you're JR back, both at the same time. <laughs> What's up? Anyways. I didn't write anything down. Is my mouse my mouse is working better now? Cool. Uh, we got season five of Lost, guys. We got season five. We're heading. We're into the home stretch. Season five of Lost. We're starting it up. Episodes one, episode two. We've got um, because you left and the lie. We're starting to get into plot hole territory, or just kind of jumbled mess territory. This is what happens when you have time travel introduced when you probably weren't planning time travel at the beginning of the show. Things will start becoming a bit of a mess. These episodes aren't necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily very good. They are fine. They are fine. I'd give them both like C pluses. Um, because you left, we start seeing uh, the plan of Ben and Jack to get everybody back to the island come together. Saeed and Hurley. Um, Saeed has broken Hurley out of the mental house, the mental institution. They go to a hotel, the safe house. There's two guys waiting for him. Saeed kills both of them. Everybody thinks Hurley's killed him, so Hurley's wanted for triple murder. Um, it's fine. The best part of all this stuff is the on-island. The island is now skipping in time. I felt like uh, Daniel did a good job explaining this. It's like, imagine the island is a record, and... Um, like you're, everything is listening, like you know, and you're listening to the record, and it's spinning fine. Now the record is skipping, and we are stuck on it, and now we're getting dislodged in time. So the, every once in a while, the island moves through time, forward and backwards in time. It's you know, it's quantum physics stuff, man. Um, and Sawyer's having a hard time understanding any of this. What the hell is that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it might just be my chair. Whatever. 
Sawyer in, uh, you know, this is where we start getting to also, like, I think I talked a little bit about last season. Didn't quite as go as bad as last season. I thought it did. Uh, the magical shrinking island. Um, apparently the hatch was only 15 minutes away from the beach, like, uh, the, the camp, which I was like, what the hell? You have the beginning of Frogert. I can't remember. Neil Frogert, well, one of the McPoyles. Not one of the main McPoyles, one of the, like, McPoyles from the later seasons of It's Always Sunny. He's been in so many different other things, too. But yeah, he comes in as Frogert, uh, Neil, and he's annoying. But he's not around very long. I don't know, because he left's fine. Like, it's not, it, like, I just watched it, like, a couple hours ago, and hardly any of it's leaving an impression on me. The biggest thing is that they do another skip, and the hatch is back, because they went to the hatch crater, and, like, they realized they were forward in time, then they come, you know, then the hatch, or then they go through another skip, and the hatch is there, so therefore they realize, like, Sawyer's like, oh, Desmond's in there. So he starts banging on it. This is where, um, Daniel is like, you know, whatever happened to happen. You can't go back in time and change anything because if you didn't meet that, like, you know, if you don't remember meeting that person, okay, God, I agree with this. If there's such thing as time travel, no, nah, you can't go back and change anything. There's too many butterfly effects, butterfly effects for you to actually change anything. If you can, it's because you're creating a divergent universe and oh, holy shit, I'm getting a nosebleed. Anyways, you know, if somebody came back in time, gave me a gun, and told me to go kill Saddam Hussein or whoever in 2003, I would have to remember that person coming back in time and giving me that gun. Or if I go back in time, say I'm going back in time personally to give somebody a gun in Germany to kill Hitler when he was like a teenager or 1933, um, there would be a record of me going back in time, giving somebody a gun to try to kill Hitler. Because since Hitler didn't die, therefore my plan never succeeded. Or something went wrong. Anytime you try to interfere with the past, something will go wrong. That's basically the crux of Daniel's argument. Whatever happened, happened. But then he realizes... Uh, we start getting good Charlotte here, by the way. I kind of want to mention that. Charlotte was not great in season four. She's so much better in this one episode. Or these two episodes. Than she was in the entirety of season four. She's so less rough around the edges. She's so much like, you know, like because she has a thing for Daniel and she cares about Daniel. And it's almost like, oh, wow, you gave her a little bit more than just being catty. And wow, how much that can help a character. Um, she's having nosebleeds. Daniel knows exactly what that means. That means her mind is like basically frying every single time they jump through time. And um, that's going to require her. I. Uh, I guess require a constant is the theory, but he knows what he needs to do. So he goes and finds his book and then he realizes there's something that can change. And his name is Desmond. I kind of forgot Desmond was in season five at all. I didn't think he was in season five at all, but he shows up here at the end. Um, he goes up, he bangs on the door, he gets Desmond to come out and Desmond's even like, do I know you? Cause they remember they met at Oxford and he was telling him, you need to go find my mother. It's Eloise Hawking, but you know, it gets cut off. But, you know, he's like, you're special, you have a special attachment. And then when Desmond wakes up, he's had a dream about the whole interaction, but he was like, it's not a dream, it's a memory when he's talking to Penny. It's pretty solid. It's a solid episode of C+. Um, I'm trying to think. There was something else that was good in this. Oh, I had it, and I lost it. Was it on island or off island? Oh, we got Locke. Duh. Locke's also skipping through time. He goes, um, he's like walking around the mesa, and then that's when the plane flies ahead, the beach plane. I got uh, the Nigerian beach plane of with Echo's brother's body inside. Uh, Locke kind of doesn't question much of anything at first. He kind of understands what's going on, but he's like, he gets to the plane, you know, up in the uh, the canopy. And he just starts climbing up there to get it. I'm like, why is he not thinking of anything? What? what why is he not questioning what the hell's going on? Because he doesn't say much. He gets there, he starts getting shot at, he ends up getting shot in the leg, he falls down, and out comes, running from the jungle, Ethan. Which creates the weird thing of, why was this never brought up that Ethan already had met John? Or it's like, it could be one of the, you know, well, you know, we don't know what he ever told Ben. But at the same time, it's like, that seems like such a big thing to have not told that, you know, Ethan knew John. This is what I mean when you didn't plan on having time travel in your show and then you put time travel in your show in season five, you start creating these fucking holes in your story because like 
I feel like as soon as Ethan, because like it's not like this is some random encounter where they ran into each other. You know what I mean? This is not some random. Ethan literally shot this guy named John Locke, and like he's like, wait, 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 wait. This is a very unique like interaction for Ethan. He's like, um, Ben Linus said, "I'm your leader." And he's like, "That's ridiculous." Blah blah blah. Who are you, John Locke? And like, goodbye, John Locke. You know, he says his name multiple times. So when he meets him in the future, they don't try to kidnap Locke immediately. Because like, oh shit, he said, you know, I don't know. It just it just creates these weird, weird, weird hole. And then the time uh the island skips again before John could get killed by Ethan, and then another person's come walking up and it's Richard, and Richard already knows what's going on. He's like, Listen, John, you know, your next time we see each other, I'm not gonna know who you are. I want you to give me this, and it's gonna be it's like a compass, and there's a funny little line like, What's it do? Points north, John. <laughs> And he patches up the leg. And he's like, okay, John's like, you need to bring all your friends back. And he's like, uh, how am I? And John's like, how do I do that? He's like, you're going to have to die. And then that goes into the rest of the episode. Fine episode, C+. We jump into the lie. It begins with the boat. As them con- concocting their little lie scheme for the world. Um, Saeed's like, this is the biggest decision. This is going to be with us the rest of our life. We want some time. Then Hurley makes a good case about not like, um, oh, something else going on over there. Uh, what's moving is a piece of paper on the desk. Figured it out. That's a mystery solved. That's a lost mystery that was solved. Um, Hurley's like, why don't we tell the truth? And he was like, well, Widmore will kind of find him and kill him. And he's like, well, the island's gone. And I'm like, that's a pretty good point. Same time, I think it's also right. It's like everybody would just think we're fucking crazy. Not if we all don't lie. Not if we all tell the truth. I'm like, nah, they'll just think you're all six people have like lost your fucking marbles. Like surviving on an island. You guys have all had this mass hysteria. Like they probably would still think you're all crazy. And Saeed immediately just jumps in. Yep, we got to lie. It's like, okay, that that was a lot of time to decide on that, but whatever. So uh, in the last episode, Saeed got hit with a dart. You know, he's all passed out. Hurley is driving around. He's trying to get the seatbelt on the Saeed. He runs over some crates. P- cops pull him over. And up comes walking to the door. And I completely forgot this happened. Anna Lucia shows up again. It's just a uh, delusion of Hurley's that Anna Lucia shows up. She tells him what he needs to do. And that he's like, Libby says hi, by the way, which I hated so much. I did not like that. Why not just have fucking Libby show up? It's stupid. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just felt like it didn't need to be there. It just felt kind of dumb. It's like, oh, meh. But it was really cool to see Anna Lucia again. I wish she would have been on the show a little bit longer. I think she really could have been, but who knows? Same time, like, it, it works. Her death always worked, but I don't know. I wish she would have been around longer. Oh, he eventually goes to his parents' house, and it's so cool to see the development of Hurley and his father's, uh, relationship after starting off with him you know his father abandoning them now they're like pals and his dad's willing to like break the law for him and do all this stuff you know he smuggles Saeed out to uh Jack so Jack can try to save Saeed because just Saeed's having trouble breathing eventually Hurley tells his mother the whole story and she was like I believe you like I don't understand you but I believe you that's really what Hurley needs um on the island Miles does his weird stuff where he goes and finds a dead boar, brings it back. Uh, Bernard's trying to get a fire started and can't. Everybody's being an idiot. Fergert's being an asshole. And then, like, um, we have the eventual, the, the, the final death nailed on most of the background Oceanic 815 members. This is the end of them. Um, they're all sitting there. It's like we don't even like. Yeah, Fergus starts going on things like we don't have fire. We don't even have. It's like we don't. It's like we don't have knives. We don't have these. We don't even have fire. And as soon as he says fire, a flaming arrow hits him right in the chest, and flaming arrows start flying in, and everybody starts running. Some people get killed, and then I think basically all you see at all the people that remain after this is Rose, Bernard, Vincent, um, Miles, Charlotte, Faraday, um, Juliet, and. Sawyer. I don't think there's anybody else in this little group. Locke ends up showing up too, but I don't think anybody else from there. Jen ends up like showing up as well, but that's later down the line. Anyway, you find out the people who are shooting the flaming arrows were these people in 
military fatigues. He's like, what are you doing on this island? Speaking in a British accent. I forgot all this. I'm like, who the hell shot these flaming arrows again? Because there's a couple things that happen in this season that are never explained that seem to have been something that needs to be explained. There's like one where there's like a, like a, they're on like a outrigger and there's like another uh, boat shooting at them. And like, who's on that boat and never gets explained. I thought for some reason the flaming arrow attack was the same thing. I'm like, oh, maybe it's like the ancient people that were on the island, like that we kind of know a little bit more about on uh, across the sea in season six. But then like they showed up, I'm like, oh, I forgot it's the military people. I forgot about this. Um, it's fine. It's whatever on island. Just got to get rid of those red shirts, man. Um, Charlotte and Dan have a conversation before this about, you know, Charlotte kind of realizes Dan knows what's going on with her because she couldn't recall her, like, mother's uh, maiden name. So she realizes her brain's getting fried. Um, then at the end, Locke starts... Uh, these people are about to kill Juliet and Sawyer after capturing him. And then Locke takes at least two of them. I think he kills two of them. I don't think they kill all three. I think he kills two. And um, he comes up. And he's like, ja or, so, uh, James, Juliet, nice to see you. Bam. Then off island, we still have Jack and Ben are working their way to getting everybody back on the island. It's still whatever. Uh, Son and Widmore have a meeting. You know, Widmore's like... Um, like, you know, you approach me in broad daylight. You don't show me any respect. I'm like, damn, dude, calm down. You just kill, like, basically, you're the reason her husband's fucking dead. Shut up. <laughs> um, but she's like, we have the same goal. We need to, we want to kill Ben Linus, which I don't really understand why Son wants to kill Ben. Like, what the fuck did Ben have to do with anything? Like, I guess, like, Ben killed Kimi, but she wouldn't know that. She wouldn't know that's the reason why the boat exploded. It was... You know what I mean? It was Widmore's boat. Widmore had all the charges on there. Widmore's people came to kill them. But she wants to team up with him to kill Ben. I don't know. It just it feels weird. Maybe there's more coming in this season that I completely forgot about. But to me, this doesn't make any sense that she's chosen Widmore over Ben. Widmore's the reason her husband's dead. It's weird. But her and Kate have a talk as well. Um... I kind of would have liked it more because she has a thing about, you know, like, uh, son, like, Kate forced son onto the helicopter and Kate was going to go get Jen, but then she got pulled on the helicopter as well. And, like, Kate gets like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. And she's like, oh, I don't blame you. I'm like, it kind of would have been better if you did blame her. I think son and Kate could have blamed each other. Like, our son could have blamed Kate for Jen's death. That would have been, I don't know, a different dynamic. But whatever. Uh, Jack gets Saeed awake. Ben tries to go get Hurley to bring him back. Hurley flips out and he runs out, turns himself into the cops for the triple murder to get away from Ben because Saeed was like, whatever you do, it was like, whatever Ben tells you to do, do the opposite. So that's what he does. So Ben goes to this church after we see a weird scene. It was kind of weird just how it's set up. There's like a pendulum. There's a woman writing like these uh, equations on a board, but she's like cloaked and it looks goofy. Like, why the fuck is she cloaked? It's just cloaked so you don't see her face. It was, like, kind of just, like, mystery for mystery's sake. Like, who is this? It's Eloise Hawking, who we've seen in some flashbacks and um, or some of the weird flashes with De uh, Desmond. So it was like, eh. You know what I mean? Which I was, like, excited to see her, but I was like, it, just the fact that she was cloaked was so goofy. And she tells uh, Ben that they got 70 hours before they go back to, like, they have 70 hours. And he's like, no, I need way more time. Like, you know, I've lost you guys. Like, well, tough. It doesn't matter what you want. You've got 70 hours. And then that's basically the end of the episode. So these are okay. Episodes C plus like they're a little bit convoluted. I like, you know, I feel like uh Faraday has been strong so far. Um, the off island stuff. I feel like Hugo's had some pretty good stuff going. You're starting to already see kind of the, the, uh, Sawyer Juliet kind of thing working together. Miles is much better. Charlotte's even better. But I feel like story wise, you're starting to see the convoluted kind of mess that they're starting to create for themselves. Um, yeah, like I said, if you're going to do time travel, you should have had the time travel plan from the beginning. Like, there could have just been some little things here or there that could have, um, if you were going to do this, if you actually had this planned out properly, you had this whole show planned out. And this season five is the time travel season. You could have planted these little seeds throughout the show that have paid off in this season. 
And instead, they kind of created a mess by introducing that Ethan had met John beforehand. Um, they do quite a bit of job of like why, you know, Richard and John, all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, they, they create themselves a mess. Cause I think there's also a point where Russo meets Jen and it's like, why doesn't Russo remember Jen? It's like, I guess it could be 16 years. And she's crazy, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a little, it's, it's convoluted. It, it's gets messy. It's going to get a little messy for a few, for about five or six episodes. It gets kind of messy, but whatever, man. Lost this week was fine. Uh, we go into Jughead. Hmm. Little Prince? Is it Jughead and Little Prince, I think, are next? And I think this place is death is episode five. Let's see how close Brandon is on these episodes. Oops. I am right. I'm 100% right. We go Jughead, Little Prince, This Place is Death, then 316. So next week, we'll have Little Prince, or I'm sorry, yeah, Jughead and the Little Prince. I'm kind of excited about Jughead. I remember really liking that when it aired. So I'm going to see how that goes. There's going to be some Widmore action in this one. So, uh, cool. Anyways, Lost was fine. C+. Like, these episodes are fine. Like I said, like, it's kind of odd. I feel like I'm going to rate things, like, I'm like, oh, this is like a B plus episode, even though it may not touch like early episodes that I would call B plus. So like a B plus, A minus, or something like that. And season five is like the equivalent of like a B minus episode in season one. <laughs> like usually they're just good, they're enjoyable, but you know they may not have quite the impact or meaning. Because like I said, there's so much stuff. I was like, oh shit, I forgot all about this. I completely forgot about this. We had like the moment where um, Jack's looking for his pills. And Ben's like, oh, I flushed him down the toilet. And Jack's like, oh, that's what I was going to do. And he's like, oh, I know. And it's like, yeah, you fucking pill head, you lying pill head doctor man. <laughs> uh, no, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty fresh-eyed on a lot of this. I kind of forgot about the flaming arrow attack until right before it happened. I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. Here comes the flaming arrows. Um, I couldn't remember when Jin shows up. I thought he showed up. I thought he'd washed up. Like, like I keep thinking of how his storyline works, and I can't 100% remember. Um, the off-island stuff, like I said, the sun motivation to work with Widmore doesn't make any sense to me. Why she just wants to kill Ben, that doesn't make any sense. Um, it doesn't pay off. Like There's a lot of things that get promised off the island that don't pay off. Widmore doesn't even pay off properly. So it's this is this is where we start getting into how much did Brandon kind of blind himself in love for Lost in its original run and how much frustrates him now watching it. Uh, that's why I talked about last time we, what is that? Um, last time we talked Lost, I said something like, you know, how cool it would be for them to go back and do like a graphic novel or something like that, where they could really do everything they wanted to do and not be kind of wrapped up in, Hey, we want you to do six seasons. Like, well, we want to do five. It's like, no, we got to do six. It's like, can we do shorter seasons? And then you have time travel and all this other stuff that maybe they weren't planning at all at the beginning. And then Echo doesn't want to die. And maybe, I don't know. Whatever, man. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that should be it for me tonight. Thank you so much for listening, understanding all the fun stuff. I will be back Thursday with some sports talk. We've got Liverpool versus Aston Villa in a great game there. Uh, we're going to talk crew versus Montreal. A what I got to watch bad, but you know, a very good first half. Then what I got to watch of the second half was bad, but it ended up being an okay result. We're gonna talk more about the other stuff. We're also gonna preview more crew action. No, no, no crew action this coming week. I think we got one more Liverpool game before international break. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, you know, you know what we do in sports talk. I don't know what I do in sports talk, but we'll figure it out. We're having a good time. I should be on LFC transfer room this week at some point. I think Friday is my day that I'm going to be on. Not 100% sure. You never know. But you know me. I also will be back next Monday in the music room with more lost talk, more life talk, more whatever talk. You know how I do the talk. I talk a lot, and I love to talk, and I'm great at it, I guess. Not really. I stumble a lot. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for listening on Standing Understanding. Like, share, subscribe, support. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster 8 the Pilot in video form on Spotify where you can watch all the fun and all the weird lighting shit I do 
sometimes. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, do what you want to do, man. You know, thank you so much once again for the Spritey stuff. The support means the world to me. And then, uh, yeah, thank you for continuing to be a part of whatever this mess is, man. Um, other than that, I will see you Thursday. I am out, Boy Scouts. 10-4, Daddy-O, let's get on out of here!